Moshi Moshi, fellow podcast listeners, how's everybody doing? Everybody okay? Everybody feeling alright? I wouldn't know because there's no one here to reply to me. I'm just sitting here by myself. But enough about me, let's talk about this podcast. So this week, I chat with Kathy Gabriel, where she shares with me about her unique journey with yoga, how she was one of those people who found meditation first before her physical practice, which is always an impressive thing to hear when you find out people who start out that way, you know? Kathy's quite a unique soul. She's involved herself in so many different initiatives and I'm very proud to have her on the podcast as well as have her as a friend. She's one of the nicest people I know and I'm sure you'll enjoy hearing all her tales. So let's just start. I've yet to find a way to introduce people so I'm just going to do the adieu thing. Without further ado, here's Kathy. Enjoy. Hello Kathy. Hello. Thanks for inviting me to your humble abode. It looks very cozy. I've seen it in uh, videos of your YouTube. This is where you do your your your, your practice. Yeah, mm. it's usually it's not actually the place where I like to meditate. I actually meditate inside my bedroom mm. uh, because my numerologist said that that room is a uh, very good. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe in these things. Okay, like even okay. it. So she has a specific way of how I should um, place my clients when they come in for class. Because wow, okay. the, this space over here, which is where I used to meditate, but I'm always in my underwear, so my neighbor can always see Whoa, me. Creepy. I know. So then I, I decided. But you can see to, him too. So. <laughs> I know, but I'm I'm naked and he's not. So oh, okay, okay. that's why. But this is a nice spot. There's a nice view. You uh, know? In the room as well, because it, it looks out into the same balcony. It's oh, the same okay, one. Okay. Yeah, but so she says that this spot is a prime. She says that the people that sit here will always come back. So I have to place people here, oh. which is what you see in the videos where I'm now Okay, seated. okay. Yeah. What, what did you do previously? Uh, I did very boring things. I did IT. I was in a IT startup. <laughs> I was in two. It was uh, an interesting learning journey for so me. So move this close. That's okay. okay. It was yeah, an interesting learning journey for me, um, only because, I mean, I really enjoyed being in a very creative space. I don't like working the regular nine to five. It was stressful because there were days we had to work longer, but the job scope wasn't all that exciting, mm. but I didn't, I didn't hate it. Like, let's just put it that way. I don't think I've ever hated something that I, I don't mind doing anything under the sun. I used to work at a a juice bar and I thought that that was going to be my life Whoa. no for real really like that was me behind the counter before that I was uh, cleaning toilets and beds and uh, in a hostel uh, uh. we were running and my ex and I were running a business together and so my primary job was cleaning the hostels and yeah so things like that like I'm, I'm not I'm a kind of person that you know doesn't really it's not a really about what I do as long as I enjoy doing mm anything under the sun so pretty much done yeah. quite a few things under the cool. sun mm. i mean you still are doing a lot of things now yeah mm. do you think like your previous job has helped you in any way as a teacher like any aspects of your previous job mm, well in my previous job i had to meet a lot of clients i think right. it prepared me for dealing with people in some way dealing with different types of people especially if you work in a hostel like yeah. frontline stuff uh. frontline I was always in service let's just mm. put it that way I have always been in service like and what I realized being in service was that I actually get drained by people <laughs> and when I came into the yoga sort of industry I always thought well if it's yoga it's good energy I will never get drained Ooh. but it's not true yeah because I do and so, I can relate to that but go on yeah so I get super super drained and I realized that there is this this someone told me this that there's a difference between an introvert and an extrovert and you can be an intro extrovert and most I guess leaders or people who are kind of in the always meeting people and being around people but still need kind of their own space for reflection if they don't have that and they're constantly you know when they're on the job they're able to turn it on to uh, turn it on yeah. and speak to people and be completely present but if they don't have their own space and time recharge. they would just yeah. die 
So, yeah. I think everybody is sort of that way. I don't think there's a pure extrovert, there's a pure introvert. There is. Oh, oh. There is. I think. There is. My partner's like that. He loves being around people. Like he says that if he's not around people, he'll be depressed. I mean, that's true. We, we are not, we are, we're social beings. We have to be around people. But I'm, I, I'm an extrovert. Really? Apparently, yeah, apparently yeah. according to the thing, right? The quiz. I mean, and I feel like I'm an extrovert. Like, I'm not like, I don't shy away from social interactions. But I do like to be alone. I enjoy my me time. Most of the time that if I'm not hanging like out, which I really am anyway, mm. I'm at home and I'm like in my room and I'm just chilling and I enjoy it a lot. It takes effort for me to be with, be around people, but I'm not like, uh, I still enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't really enjoy social situations. I uh, even this situation is very <laughs> stressful for me. It's very nerve wracking uh-huh. for me. Um, I can't tell. No, no, no. I'm very. I don't. I like trust me. Like I, it was hard transitioning being a teacher, but of course because you control the space and you mm. control the content, oh, it's a little bit easier. But when you're put in a social situation, you don't know where it goes. Mm-hmm. So anything bigger than six people, like a group bigger than six, or I even like yeah, panic. I think like three people is already quite yeah 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 one on one is fine like you I say something you say something and we can we can just be quiet for a while that's fine three people you sort of have to balance it out I yeah. feel in a social setting let alone like a like a, I don't know, business meeting maybe mm. anyway let's talk about your yoga your yoga journey we'll start with the standard questions first like how did you get started um, how long I, have you been doing it you so know? my yoga journey started from I guess chanting and meditation Ooh, first you're one of those people that start from meditation yeah, first yeah I started no no it was interesting because I think I was a lot more spiritual at the age of 15 than I am now although I've kind of phased in and out of this idea of spirituality mm. so when I started was yoga has always been in my life since I was a kid my mom you know would do yoga my family it's well not necessarily yoga there was no real term at the i mean this was really a long time ago so she would do yoga related things and my family so my uncle two of my uncles one is a tcm practitioner mm. and he's a tcm doctor then the other one is like a manual therapist that worked with What's a manual therapist? yeah he's like he's a body worker essentially uh-huh. but he works in the realm of tcm and also tea he mm. primarily works with people's tea so this whole, I guess, alternative therapy or complementary therapy was very much part of my mom's life. So when she got ill, she started exploring like Reiki and energy healing and yoga and all sorts of all sorts of things. And that was kind of how I got exposed. Wow. Um, yeah. But then after she passed away, so she got into Buddhism mm. and after she passed, I was still part of the same organization and because I kind of needed something to get through the, the thing that I was going through after after she left, mm-hmm. I was very dedicated. You know, I remember myself waking up at five in the morning. I would pray and chant for like half an hour. Imagine me, like I was like 15 and when I think about it, I'm like, how did I do that? I would sit and chant the same mantra for 30 minutes and then I would come back home after school 5.30 p.m. and then I would chant for another 30 minutes and there was like a ritual where you know you you have fresh water you burn an incense and so that was how my spiritual practice began wow. and then I think it was through that I started to as I got older I started to question sort of what was I learning um, out of this type of Buddhism and you know they made me go through spiritual study as well I had to do an exam I don't know why you need to do an exam for Buddhism but you had I had to go through it and then I kind of got spiritually lost and during that period of time I moved from Hinduism to Islam to Sufism and I just didn't know where I was going Uh, I was when I was much younger before in the Buddhist phase I was Catholic I was raised like a Catholic Um, but then I was never baptized my mom said wait until you're 18 and you decide Mm. so anyway yeah fair right so 
in the end, so me drifting in and out of different religions. When I went to a temple, they said I couldn't be a Hindu because you have to be born a Hindu. Oh, so that works. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> then you know, Islam. Of course, you need to do a lot of things in yeah. order to become is um, Islamic or Muslim. And um, Sufism was the closest I got in terms of Islam. It was such a beautiful religion, and not really. It was like a philosophy, a mm. way of life. And then through that was when I discovered yoga because when I started studying Hinduism, this whole idea of yoga came about. And and that was kind of when I got interested in understanding or finding out more. This was only the meditation aspect, not the physical aspect yet. Mm, yeah, just the mm. meditation aspect. So that's when I started getting curious. And yeah, so when I first started the meditation, in terms of a physical practice, I pretty much had none. Mm. Um, it was more of a meditation practice for me and then over the years you know I would come in and out of the physical practice and then I remember when I got very very physical was when I joined a local studio in Singapore that was when I was like oh my god like this is like huge like this is so many things you Uh know so yeah I mean the physical practice wasn't um, wasn't what drew me to yoga initially and then so at what point did you decide to like you know I like this yoga thing going to try and take my 200 hours, going to try and spread the word, going to try and teach people? Um, I don't know if there was like a turning point for me. You just figured like it was the next step. It was just something I really wanted Mm. to do and even the TT that I took was mainly about philosophy. I really enjoyed that. It's what I studied in school as Mm. well. Um, I enjoyed reading, I enjoyed writing, so that's kind of how it happened. I didn't think that I would end up teaching for the rest of my life. I really thought that it was just something I was going to do. I enjoyed teaching, just giving free classes while I was working a full-time job. And then eventually, I remember because she's still she's one of my closest friends today. She she didn't want to do botanic gardens anymore because she was like, oh god, it's still hot. There are bugs everywhere. So she came up to me after class and she was like, hey, would you consider taking this indoors? I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't have a space at the moment, so I don't think I'll do that. And then and then she said, she's like, no no no, consider it. Just look around. And so I did. And you know, Yoga Lab, the Raffles Place one. The upstairs studio. Oh. That was where I rented, like oh. like five five years ago, I think. Yeah, because it was a dance studio previously, uh-huh. and they never used the upstairs space. So then I rented it every for for a month. Every no, well, I rented it monthly. So then I would teach Monday, Tuesday, all the way until Sunday, oh. but after work. So it, I would always host classes after work, right. and also on weekend mornings and weeknight. Uh, weekend mornings, yeah. And that's also when they don't have. Uh, their kids. own dance yeah their own dance stuff so then I started hosting it there so when Yoga Lab moved into that space I was like so, oh my oh. life came full circle yeah so that's how I started teaching it was more of I was responding to a need um, because someone came up to me and said hey you know we know a couple of people that would be interested in doing more closed uh, space yeah. for private more private sessions and then I was like oh hey you know what this is not this is not a bad thing I could totally imagine myself doing this yeah um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how my teaching journey began. Wow, that's mm. nice. And throughout the years, like how long have you been teaching? I think about five, five years, five years. Uh, five years is a long time. But it's not that long either. 2013. Yeah. yeah about five years. How do you think your teaching has evolved since day one? You know, I'm sure it has. <laughs> like it's evolved <laughs> through personal practice, through like you evolve as a person. The I you five years ago and the you now is different. So how do you think that has affected your teaching? I'm sure even in with you being in the span of like a month, your mm. teaching would have changed, yeah. right? Um, well, for me, it's funny because when I see my students that have been with me since 2013, I'm like, why did you come for class? I was terrible. Oh. You know, I look back and I'm like, God, I was so lousy. Don't uh-huh. you have that? I feel that way sometimes. Do you feel like, oh my god. I, I think I will always feel that way. In a, in, in a I way. think so. When you it's, look back at the, your old self, like, yeah, god, yeah, what like, was what I teaching? Yeah. Yeah, I was like that. I think when I look back, I always ask them, you know, have I changed? So they say that I have changed, but the core is still the same. That's so, so strange. I mean, that's um, interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in the past, I guess, I don't know. I can't really tell you what I was teaching because I really think I was teaching nonsense. <laughs> but I guess maybe now when I reflect back in, in five years from now, I'll probably say, think, oh my God, whatever I was saying in this podcast was nonsense. Wow. So I don't know. I, but I've definitely changed. I think I've become a lot more 
So when I first started, I was very much about yoga has to be very traditional, yoga mm. has to be very classical, yoga has to be in a certain set way and form. Mm. Um, and over the years, what I've realized is that may be your belief and that maybe is valid or it is valid because it's what you believe in. But not being flexible with the label or being flexible with the practice makes it very inaccessible for other people. So sometimes it's important to communicate in what someone can understand even if the message is still the same. Right, say for example, I believe in, I don't anymore, but let's say I truly believe that yoga has to be practiced in this classical form and way. But if I kept sticking to that, the people that I would attract, are the people that would, you know, that only oh, wow. adhere to that. But in order to expand uh, my teachings or also to be more inclusive in the way I teach, I needed to sing a different tune. And that meant singing in a way or creating classes in a way where the community or the voice or the language that I use is different, even though I still mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It's sort of like, um, I, I, I know what you mean. And so, I'm guessing it's because of the, like your, your, your love for yoga and you find it very important. You take it very seriously and you want to share it with, with as many people as you can. So you try your best to find different ways to share the same message. Yeah, so they say it's, there's no point in us talking if I'm speaking a completely different language. Yeah. You know what so I mean? So you're trying to find different languages I'm to trying send to a find, message. Yeah, yeah, so even if this is not my best, let's say, for example, I'm speaking in French and I'm mm. not that coherent in that. Um, but if one particular person needs to speak in that in order to join the practice, it's important for me to kind of code switch and be like, okay, let's try this way and mm. form. Yeah, and I think that I learned how to adapt in terms of communicating with different crowds mm -hmm. because for me yoga was very much a spiritual practice and it still is but you can't go into class and then you know do all the things that you do in your own own self-practice and expect that people can understand because you're in your own head all the time mm -hmm. but when you're coming into class it's learning how to kind of take what's in your head but communicate in a way that people are not scared and also understand that you're not cuckoo you know mm -hmm. so yeah, something wow, like that. I, oh, wow, that's re I really, I like that. I like what you just said. I can relate to that. And I feel like that, that kind of wisdom comes from experience. And I'm so glad that I, I, was, I heard this because it's quite interesting. Do you and feel that about your own? I feel that. I agree with that. I agree with that statement. But I haven't reached a point where I found that revelation. So it's nice to hear that revelation, knowing that it will come to me in the future through my practice. But don't you think that, you know, sometimes yoga can, or meditation is very hard to teach mm. because it's very much a self-practice, mm. you know? It's hard to come in and say, okay, this is what spirituality is about or this is what yoga is about. Because it's defined by it's different defined, people yeah. in different ways, yeah. So I think it's important as a teacher to not come with your whole baggage yeah. and your bag of, like, knowledge and be like, That's oh, true. this is what I think yoga should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like, okay, this is what I believe in. You don't have to believe in it. Let's work with what you believe in and then let's see if we can meet halfway. Well, it's hard to, to, to put that in a practical sense. Yeah, it is. It is. I struggle with it all the time. Wow. <laughs> Okay, but at least there is awareness for it, and at least you're open to to, to to these new roots or these new languages to try and still get the same message across, to still try and to get to where you need to get to yeah. with through yoga. Mm. Oh, okay, mm. I like it. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, how did urban yogis come about? First this... of all, I think it's a very lousy name. <laughs> Let's just put it out there. Okay. It wasn't. It, I, didn't, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> I didn't want to give much 
Stop! Don't be mean. So uh, anyway, yo, what should I call my? <laughs> yeah, no, but it's very okay. So I mean, it makes sense. I started teaching in the gardens for free every Sunday at、mm. 10 a.m. This was my time. Like I would show up in the gardens, and then random people who don't even know me would come and they would practice.、Mm. So it started with a group of 15 people that grew into a group of 62, 65.、Mm. And I used to be one of those teachers that say, "Come, let's do introduction." And by the time、mm. we went through 62. Two people. <laughs> I know. So by the time we went through sixty-two, it got to a point where you know people would be like, "Hi, I'm unemployed. I'm looking for a job." Blah、uh, blah 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 blah. Hi, I'm gonna launch a book. Please come and support me. So people like would. Yeah. So people were kind of using that as a platform to get to know people、Ooh. and also advertise themselves.、Mm. But I love that because that's what community yoga should、yeah. be. It's about really getting to know the person. For me, it's never really about the asana or even meditation. It's really about People coming together, connecting—that's、yeah. it. So when I first started that, I was the only teacher that was teaching. And then when the private group classes started to kind of take full, you know, become an actual practice, I decided that I wanted to get people in as part of. Yeah, good. Like I decided to get people in、um, to teach as well,、mm. um, and that's Cause, also because it was hard for you to like manage it, right? Yeah, it became really hard for me to manage, and then eventually I had other teachers, and I also wanted people to ex- to feel to get more exposure from other teachers as well. I mean, I might not always be the best teacher、mm. for everyone. So you so. became like you became a platform yourself, lah. Yeah. So then, did it have a name before? Like, or was it? It was. Called, it was always called Urban Yogi. Even during the the botanical. Yeah, times. Okay, it was、okay. like a really long time. I'm like, well, you know, it's. In the city, it's urban, and then it's yoga. Okay, these people、urban、come、yogis. together. Urban yogi is simple,、mm. and yeah. So now it's called pop up yoga, which is like a side of urban yogis, and then urban yogis itself does other things,、mm. retreats and stuff. Yeah. Okay. What? Who else is helping you organize all this? Um. So I currently have one of my mentees. She's、uh, she's. So just like the like your students who came and joined and just stuck with you all the way, and like one day you were like. You want to join?、Um, no, so there, there's this mentorship program that I do, and、oh, yeah. I get fresh teachers. So pop up yoga is a platform for fresh teachers to come and you know start teaching、mm. to get their feet wet. Because in in local studios in Singapore, there's always this like, oh, you don't have any experience. Yeah, We don't、yeah. want to take you. That's the catch twenty two lah. Yeah. So then I'm like, well, you know what? Come for community practice. You know, every every week is a different group. You will get bigger exposure.、Mm. You get <laughs> um, you get to tr- you know work. With people who either have never done any yoga or you know have different different abilities, different capabilities, maybe different injuries as well, you'll you're just exposed. So for so for a new teacher who's interested to teach publicly to part to real people without like being like tied to a studio,、mm. they can. Join pop up. They can just ask like, "Can I?" Yeah, can I teach? they can join. So they can. They usually there's a process. They come for a mock class, and then they have a little bit of a chit chat,、right, find right. out what you know what they like to teach.、Uh, as long as you know, usually I never really say no because yeah, I think it's, it's an, opportunity. an opportunity. Yeah. yeah.、Um, so. Okay. Yeah. So、cool. pop up yoga is run by one of my mentees. So through that, they join. Either mentorship program, so they assist me during workshops I teach overseas,、mm. or they come overseas for retreats and stuff. And then this particular girl who has assisted me on retreats and also workshops,、um, she is now taking over pop up yoga.、Nice. So she, it's it's her thing now, which is great because that's exactly what the mentorship program、yeah. is about. You know, to be able to get someone to a point where you know they can do they can something do, they're、yeah. passionate about on the side. There aren't a lot of like this mentorship program that、yeah. you were saying. There's not a lot of these programs at all, regardless, like not even locally or internationally, because often once you finish your two hundred hours, that's it. You go and go and teach, like you're done. There isn't really like that stepping stone between two hundred hours something to get you started, and then like full time teaching. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. It is. It is. I think、what、it's a you, great. What made you like want to start this? Um, cause I felt like I didn't have much help when I started. I made a lot of mistakes, and I think that a teacher, when they come out of a two hundred hour training, what happens is they teach what they've actually learned. Right. They don't. 
they are at least for me i found it very hard to find my own voice at the beginning i remember doing, as do all of yeah, us yeah i did like prenatal yoga postnatal yoga kids this that anything anything under the sun because i couldn't i didn't have anyone to kind of help you. me fine tune what i wanted and my teaching portfolio basically and i could have spent a lot more time honing skills that served me you know and so that's how the mentorship program came about on the get go we decide what is it that you are you know what is it that you want what is your most authentic voice and we build on that so every mentee that comes in is different there's one lady that i'm doing the mentorship program with and we do philosophy mm. kind of yeah sessions because she wants to work on that so we just do that and then there's another one who you know is working in more of the yoga therapy side and she wants a specific topic taken care of so we do like posture analysis skills um because she wants to you know build on her one to one uh client portfolio so that's what yoga we're therapy usually is like that yeah, yeah. it's one to one so she wants to hone in on skills on that so she's we're doing just that so everyone comes in with a different need mm-hmm. and then it's not and I'm not saying that I'm an expert but I'm giving them at least someone giving them kind of like a something to bounce ideas off mm. from and then we set you know whether it's different readings different books to explore and then we talk about it and see mm. how they can incorporate that practice or the the reading or the learnings they acquired into their oh, teaching that's interesting yeah. okay from urban yogis a simple once a week botanical gardens to now you're doing mentorships you're 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 having retreats you have workshops when did you start your first retreat oh, this is funny <laughs> it was because it was a terrible retreat oh no uh, yeah. first one's often i guess first one was first anything a, but surprising because well okay anyway so the first one was in 2016 yes. i think or 15 Okay, okay. 15, it's not too, long, not too ago. long ago, I think. Yeah. I can't remember, but I know that it was a Bintan rustic retreat that I did. And these were with the existing people that came for my private group classes and I kind of I was there on holiday with my ex and he says, "Oh, this is a great place to do a retreat. You should totally do it." I had a full-time job, by the uh-huh. way. So then I said, "Um, I like this place because it's rustic, but I don't think Singaporeans oh, will like this place because because okay, okay. there's nothing there. Food was so slow. This is in a different. So now yeah. it's moved to a different location, but this was the first vendor that I ever worked with in my life, and they were from a local family in Indonesia, and they couldn't speak any English, Uh-oh. and I don't speak any Bahasa, so it was like, why am I doing it there? But anyway, so we I had it there and. Yeah, and they initially told me there was like a waterfall hike. Oh, okay. So Sounds impressive. I know it sounds super impressive, wow, right? Waterfall, so, you say? Yeah, <laughs> so it's you know, I put it that as an itinerary, but the thing is my biggest mistake was that I should have done the recce trip first. Right. But I obviously went according to what the host was saying. So they said, "Oh, there's a waterfall hike. It takes one hour to get there by car and one hour to get back." And I said, "How long does a hike take? About thirty minutes." So then, anyway, we get there, <clears throat> and there was a tiny pool of water with just a little mm-hmm. bit of water dripping from the rocks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh my god!" We drove one hour okay. to this place. There's nothing here. We had to pay. Two dollars to enter to see this really unimpressive, underwhelming rock unquote, waterfall. waterfall. Yeah. And then they said, "Oh, actually, the waterfall is further up, and you have to scale the rocks rocks to go up." And I had people who were in their um, in the late or uh, early fifties and were not going to climb yeah, this because they're like, "No, um, this yeah. is this is very dangerous." Plus, the rocks were very slippery. Right. So I remember we where there was a little shala. Well, no, it's just like a little hut. hut. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's let's do a waterfall meditation. Yeah, I know. Quick thinking. I said, oh, I need to do something. So we sat in a circle, and that happened to be the best meditation ever, as in for the people. Oh. And. That salvaged the situation wow. in some way. Yeah, I remember this, and you know, the food didn't come for like two hours. People were waiting. 
in terms of organization and logistics it was probably the worst retreat on earth but it was great that it was my first retreat because then i knew how yeah. to handle situations whatever that was whatever like that happened happened yeah for the reason so that you could learn from that that yeah, situation yeah, yeah. much like your podcast you know like the well, first yeah, one yeah the first one now i'm not going to never yeah. gonna make that mistake yeah. now you have like a checklist of things yeah, right right exactly yeah, yeah true i have a checklist for all uh, my retreats like what to bring what to expect what to yeah, yeah, yeah. um take which note comes of. from like doing fucking like 10 other 10 retreats million, yeah. Yeah. yeah oh okay okay so how many retreats are you doing now like um, i saw like two or three in a year i think i do about one two three four five in a year yeah yeah i used to do once a month for a whole year but then i decided that uh, my marriage fell apart so yeah i decided that it wasn't very healthy for me to do once a month uh-huh. And because my private practice has grown so much, I can't afford to do once a month anymore. So now yeah. I do every two I mean, or three months. That's still quite impressive, like five retreats a, a, I a year. I think more than five. I think six, plus, plus. maybe six or seven. I don't know. Something around there. But yeah. But I guess I get to decide how many I want to do in a year. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So you have your retreats, mm-hmm. you have your mentorship, you have your personal practice, you have your workshops. Mm. And like it's... It's quite interesting the workshops that you have, I floral meditation or something like that. Yeah, yeah. What's that about? Um. So I like working with chakras. So for those of you that don't know what chakras are, they're just um, the energy Energies, centers yeah. in our in our body, and with flowers, it's a nice tool to explore the different chakras. So this is, yeah. It's a type of meditation okay. practice. Have you been to uh, Africa Burn? Have you heard of Burning Man? Yeah. And the sense of non-attachment to your work. Oh, yeah, that's so that's, it's kind of symbolic, like in that sense. Yeah, it's kind of symbolic mm. with the work that you do. It's the it's to practice non-attachment. Mm. Okay, okay, that sounds interesting. Mm, but you learn the chakras as well, so that's that's yeah. And you like to work with kids as well. Yeah, see, I sound like I do a lot, but you I do. don't. I don't do all these things anymore. I haven't <laughs> what do you done. Find the time? I know, no, no, but I don't do a lot of these things as much anymore. I only teach once a week with kids. Um, I still, I love teaching kids. I used to teach more, but I couldn't handle it, so I had to let some of them go. Um, yeah, I teach kids. I do storytelling yoga. It's does that keep them chill? Or do no, they like it's really fun. Like you know, hundred percent all the time. Sometimes they're crazy. Sometimes I must say they're crazy. But it's literally, we go through a story and we do yoga postures related to the story. And sometimes the story is inspired from a famous book. Like, uh, for example, Goldilocks and the Three Bears or uh, The Hungry okay, Caterpillar. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be uh, a story that I created. And then at the end, so this starts with like breathing, story, more breathing, and then relaxation. You'd be surprised. Mm. Two-year-olds can, can lie down and mm. do Shavasana. Better than adults. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That I agree with. Um, going back to uh, something that we talked about just now, when you said that you you were sort of lost in your personal practice mm. and you were trying all these different things, so at what point did you discover your your true self as a teacher? Mm. And what is it? That's an interesting question. At what point did I discover? I don't know whether I fully discovered... <laughs> That's a good answer. It's true. That is a good answer. I don't think yeah. I fully have. I feel like I'm always changing. In fact, even in the last one year, my practice has changed so much. And my numerologist can testify. Oh, who's this numerologist? <laughs> She's so huh? good. She's so good. But anyway, so she says that, according to her, not me, oh. I'm not that um, self-absorbed. Right, Maybe right. I am. But anyway, <laughs> so she says that I have these three inborn talents. Okay. okay, and these inborn talents, I don't know, they could be writing to yoga, I don't know, all sorts of things. And she says that I have to do these three, which is why it sounds like I'm doing a lot. She says that if I'm not doing any of these things, I will be very depressed, which is true. I realized that if I was just teaching yoga, just yoga, yeah. and just show up at the studio and teach yoga, I don't think I would be that happy. Um, so in terms of trying to figure out what was my true self, I think it's to be... A dynamic teacher to be able to to incorporate different learnings into a broad practice of spirituality mm. let's put it that way just like what we talked about that. yeah so you know i do body work 
and and when clients come to me with like an injury and they come for rehab, I and I always ask them what their intent is, and they 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 sometimes will say, oh, you know, actually I have pain here, but I want to be better at meditation or something like that. They come for more of a meditation practice, and I say, well, okay, meditation is something that it will take some time, but. It's going to be very hard for you to sit if you're aching and hurting in this place and that place. So how about we work with the body first, mm. and then we'll slowly introduce uh, different aspects of meditation because it's very hard for them to to just sit down and be like, okay, I'm meditating, you know. And the same with body work, with different types of body work, it's to create this to help people gain more awareness of this the, themselves or to cultivate a deeper felt sense for them. Um, and for me, that's very much what yoga is. So whether it's through body work, whether it's through yoga, whether it's through meditation or anything, any other, any other form, or whether it's through writing or speaking, whatever it is, as long as they're connecting with themselves, then I think that that brings me a lot closer to authenticity as a teacher. Yeah. Mm. So then, what is your definition of spirituality? Oh, this one is a hard one, huh? Mm. Um, when I was younger, I always thought that spirituality was, you know, sitting in a cave in white robes and, and like, a puff oh, of smoke yeah, comes yeah, out and then something tells you the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I've always thought spirituality was. You know, like this whole idea. Just like of in the cartoons, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, some yeah. like. Uh, some some like the the, the Obi Wan Kenobi comes down. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So I was like you know that's what sp- being spiritual was something that was very much outside of myself. Mm. But over the years Ooh. I've started to learn. Okay, spirituality is everything that's here right now, and that means with this this gift of the body that you have, and if that means exploring your body in physical ways, that's spirituality too. And recently, I taught a class. This is quite funny. I made them watch. You know the JP Sears video. Have you watched it? Yes. Yeah, oh, so funny. The spiritual, the spirituality one. I, I don't know. I saw the one about monkeys, and saw about like he has a few. Like yeah. He has a few. So he talks about uh, oh, you know what spirituality means, and he's wearing like this bandana with flowers uh-huh. and the Tibetan singing wom, and he's like oh, this is spiritual, yeah. you know, and he, he's totally making a a mockery of a lot of, I guess people that have been caught up with the commercial aspects of spirituality right. like if i have this and this bead i'm Im- immediately spiritual mm. so with my students very recently we explored spiritual bypass how we think that if we escape to a place or if we wear this mala bead or if we wear, have this crystal or we follow this teacher this guru immediately we're like more spiritual right but that's not true because uh-huh. i think Everyone, each and every one of us, including myself, is guilty of this idea of spiritual bypass. That we think that if we do A, B, C, or X, Y, and Z, we're immediately spiritual. But then you're finding true. external ways of being spiritual instead of finding yeah. internal ways to be yeah. spiritual. Yeah, and in in many ways, a lot of people kind of go to that because spirituality is very hard to define. Yeah. It's vague and it's it takes effort. And so sometimes it, it might feel like, okay, if I do this type of yoga practice, immediately I'm more spiritual. But are you, if you're saying you are more spiritual, I'm more spiritual, actually you're not spiritual at all. There's a lot of judgment when it comes to spirituality, which I feel like we immediately say, oh, that's not spiritual at all. Yeah, but because actually, that's your own definition yeah, of what you think spirituality is. Exactly. Right? But actually oh. everything under the sun can be spiritual as long as you have that intention for it. Right. And as long as it, it coheres or it you know, it, it fits in what you believe in. But if you're doing all these different things and what you feel inside isn't that, then mm. I don't know how spiritual that is. So yeah, spiritual bypass. That is, uh, I think as yoga gets more commercial, I think that a lot of people kind of fall into that trap that if I practice five days a week, I'm actually spiritual. Maybe they are, but they need to be honestly looking at themselves in the reflection and saying, does that necessarily make me more spiritual? If I practice three times a week, if I practice one time a week, maybe I can be spiritual too, you know? And it kind of makes spirituality quite accessible because Mm. you don't have to meditate 30 minutes every day to be spiritual. You can just be mindful before you eat something, before you you know, take a sip of water or when you're kind to people, when you say hi to the bus driver. Just being in the present moment is spiritual. that's spiritual. Yeah. It's you being honest with your your current self, your body, and your mind. Your true self. Yeah. So that I, yeah. But again, this is just your my definition. current definition of spirituality. But Which I feel is ge- general enough. I feel like that is the most honest, authentic way of defining it, without saying like, "Oh, you gotta sign up for this 
train of thought or this way of life to be counted as spiritual. You must be vegan. You must be uh, wear robes. You must shave your head. And you must wear whatever mm. mala beads. Exactly. So this is an, an accessible way, and I feel it is the most the truest way because it's honest uh, from within. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um. Tell me about seva seeds. Oh. Am I pronouncing it right? Seva yeah, seeds. seva seed. Seva. Um, seva means selfless service in Sanskrit. Ooh. And seed, I guess, is just seed. Oh. <laughs> it's um. It's basically a non-profit that teaches women, underprivileged women, how to sew their own reusable sanitary pad, which is, which is a luxury for most women in underprivileged places. Like for example, in Kenya, in Kilifi County itself, there's 1.1 million people still living under the poverty line, and hunger is their main problem. Mm. To talk about pads is like a complete luxury for them, but they need it because in Kenya now, there's this whole thing of sex for pads. People are prostituting themselves to get to get pads because otherwise girls miss school. So you know we don't what? think about it. Yeah, yeah, we don't think about it because you know we, we it's easy for us to buy disposable pads, but a lot of girls can't afford to buy normal disposable pads. And what happens is they during the time that they menstruate, which can be from four to seven days. They don't go to school. So they miss a lot of school. And so they're behind on their work. And that puts women um, behind a lot of their peers. Yeah, because you're not going to school. Because you're, you're not going to school. Yet. You're not learning. And so now for the price of education, people are actually prostituting girls. Even mothers are prostituting themselves so that girls can get these disposable pads. Now, the thing in Kenya, the government oh, has, shit. Yeah. has yeah. Um, created these pads, but they're not made of the best material because they make it with the cheapest form. So what happens is, you know, they stick to their skin. It tears, like, yet the piece of this, like, skin will come off when they peel it off. It's really, really sad. It's a very sad story. How but did you find out about this? So I didn't know how bad it was. Um, so for the first year when I went for a yoga festival in Kenya in this very small village called Lamu, um, they asked us to donate pads. Right, like, and okay. we're like, okay, yeah, we'll just whatever. donate doing charity, char- charitable work, mm-hmm. so why not? But then we ended up buying about 10 bags of pads, and when we bought those 10 bags, my friend and I looked at each other, how many girls do we impact by just buying 10 bags? And at the time, she was already using reusable pads, and she said, hey, Kathy, I think it's a great idea. Maybe we should teach them how to make their own. It's is not there hard. even such a thing? Reusable yeah, yeah, yeah. pads? I know that it's like menstrual cups and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, there is. So the people in Japan have uh, already... Ooh, Japan. I know, I know. They, they got everything sorted out. They have out. everything They're sorted out. they for the apocalypse and everything. So my friend is... Um, she's Japanese and she has been wearing the pads. I think I, think I know her. Miwa, why? Yeah. How do you know her? Oh, she comes from... Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah so she, she has been wearing pads for the longest time. I think t- since 2012. So she used to come for class with this little bag of soiled pads and like Kathy you should totally wear these pads and I'm like that looks disgusting like uh-huh. why would I do that and she's like no it's really good for your health it's really really blah blah Saves blah the world no she didn't talk about any of those she just said it's, it's very good for your health she's Ooh, like because there's so? a lot of chemicals in pads okay. because of the bleach is it? I, yeah I love I, that I, you're I, having yeah. this conversation <laughs> like, with oh, to tell me more <laughs> yeah bleach you say bleach and there's a lot of chemicals and you know when the scented pads those aren't actually very good the scented pads okay yeah I think I get, because you put like chemical stuff uh, yeah. right, to get the smell so I used to get a lot of rashes when I wore normal reuse oh too much pen. information oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. but yeah it's not exactly the best because plus in, if you're sweating as a yoga teacher mm. it does get quite irritable but anyway so she it's hard being a woman yeah, it's so hard. But anyway, so she always said, hey, Kathy, you should wear these pads. And I always resisted up until we went to this festival and there was a need for pads. We realized uh, that there was a need. So the questions started coming about, like, why is it so hard to access pads? And that's when we started getting more access to the community. And, and now the more you learn, yeah. the more like, you found out about the other side of it yeah. and what they were doing to, to, to that extent and how yeah. bad it was. And these are in the slums. Some of them are in the slums. They can't. This yeah. is something like we, I'm sure we take for granted in the first yeah. world. Like you just, like even food, just go down to the store, buy the food. You, we never have to worry. I will never in my life have to worry about starving. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing on my list. I agree. You know? And over there, like, sit, like what do you mean you don't have pants? Just buy it. Just, you know, it's not a thing. What do you mean you can't go to school? What do you mean you have to prostitute yourself? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, yeah. It's something that I guess in Singapore, it's hard because you don't see it. Mm. And... A lot of people ask me, but why don't you help the communities in Singapore itself? 
And I said, "Well, I, okay. I, I mean, I mean, I feel like those kind of comments or those kind of、um, perspectives only serve to bring people down for the actions that they're already doing. You know, like people ask me, 'Well, there's no point being vegan if you use aircon.'" Oh, it's one of those things.、Uh, like the world's gonna burn anyway. Why?、Yeah. Why do I have to save it now? But that's my point. Like those are not very serving comments. Like saying that is just for me. I think it's more of a personal attack.、Mm. Like it's like, well, I'm not gonna do it, and I don't understand why you do it, and your what you're doing is fruitless. Like、mm. it's 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 futile and stupid. But you know, I'm happy doing it. So who cares?、Mm. Non-attachment.、Mm. Whatever. Yeah, what who、else? cares? Okay. Okay, so so you go down on your on your on your yoga、uh, retreat years ago.、Mm-hmm. Uh, at the moment when you need it, you you used it. You were like,、oh, okay, and then you go down to the thing, and they you find out more about but about their need for the the the, the, pads. the pads. You come back to Singapore, and you're like, I need to do something. Yeah, I realized that I need. I wanted to bring this to many different communities that needed it. So、mm. we started sourcing for communities, and if it is happening in Kenya, I'm pretty sure it's happening closer to home too. We just don't hear about it,、mm. you know. And true enough, it is the case. And a pad, a reusable pad, can last them five to maybe ten years, depending on the material they、wow. use. Yeah, and that saves them a lot of money、yeah. because every month you have to buy. You finish one bag of pads. So, it does a lot. It's like, yeah, it's pricey. It's very expensive, and that money could be saved. And in fact, when we went back this year, the girls that we taught last year, they said that now their mothers have more money to buy shoes for、Aww. their sisters. Yeah, so、You're、it's like, oh my god, making a difference. Yeah, I'm like, okay, you know, someone has shoes to go to school. That's great. Even if it's just that one family that has shoes to go to school, great.、Mm. Doesn't matter.、Um, so now in Singapore, we primarily focus on fundraising efforts because. You know, and education,、mm-hmm. and also, I guess, awareness-related、uh, activities, because it is about the environment. But for how Save a Sea started is mainly for women empowerment.、Mm. Mm. How can people support this? Well, they can donate through the website. They can come and、um, speak to us, join some of our workshops, which are free to attend. And these workshops, you will help us cut material, sometimes sew pads, assemble or button these pads, and these pads will primarily be used for donation.、Mm-hmm. You can also donate old clothes. Not at the moment because my my、uh, bomb shelter is full, but. <laughs> Yeah, not in the moment because we have a lot already. Okay. But funds are definitely something that we、uh, always need because we use those funds to buy pads from and support women who are making these pads. And these in in Kenya, they are HIV positive. They are. It's hard for them to get a proper job outside.、Mm. These are trained seamstresses, and their job is to make the pads. So they get money for those pads in turn. We give those pads to younger girls, fifteen, sixteen year olds who are still in school and don't have time to just sew pads.、Mm. So yeah, that's how the cycle kind of works. So we empower underprivileged older women that know how to sew, which then empower the younger, younger women. women.、Mm-hmm. And where can we go? Like、uh, seveseeds dot org. Yeah, so seves. Yeah. S e v a s e e d dot org. Yes. Go there and donate if you want to save lives, people. Yes, please. Okay. Um. I have a few questions for you.、Ah, really?、Mm. Scared. Okay. <laughs> I have a few questions that I ask people at the end, sort of like, at the end ish.、Mm. You ready for it?、Mm. Okay. Question number. Question number one. Oh God. Dun dun dun. What do you think is the biggest problem in the world today, and what should we do about it? Oh, now I want to know what everyone said.、Mm. Um, I like I like this question. I feel like I'll ask that question all the time. I think disconnection. <clears throat> in what way? I think that we are increasingly becoming more disconnected. You don't say. Yeah, and I think that the disconnection is causing. Uh, lack of awareness with how we feel and what we think, what we truly think, and what we identify with.、Um, and I say this in my classes: like it's we. If I asked you now, can you feel your heartbeat? You'd probably say no, unless you sort of quiet in your mind and focus on your breathing. You're like, oh hey, I can feel my heartbeat. Or you place your hand on your on your chest, you might feel it beat. 
And that's also one of the reasons, I guess, why people chase after gross sensation so much because you know we are disconnected i'm not saying there's anything wrong with chasing for gross sensation but think about it like why do people want to go for this whole pain no pain no gain kind of practice like they want to go to the gym to again nothing wrong with going to the gym going to the gym to you know tear muscle to build more muscle to basically yeah chase after gross sensation because all they want to do is to feel something but we don't feel anything you know in reality because we're so disconnected with our bodies we need all these gross stuff to mm. twist in very very unhealthy ways and you know put our bodies in all these different shapes and forms just right. so that we can feel something Whoa. but it's a matrix but it's true yeah. right in reality all we need to do is to cultivate felt sense to come back to the body the body yeah, the breath. and actually look for subtle sensations to look for yeah, the subtlety of, of, right. of our being. So I think like the biggest, biggest problem is that we're so disconnected. Like I think we're here, we're this much apart. So I right. think when it comes to yoga, the yoga is meant to bring us a little bit closer uh, to that. Mm. So okay, we can feel more without doing too much. Right. Um, yeah. I agree. Uh, I agree that in a way, society is disconnected in every aspect of that word. Whether is it through social, through through technology, obviously, mm-hmm. even disconnection from our own bodies or our own minds, and yoga does help to bring the the union, right? The yeah, yoga is the union. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard. Think. It's really hard, especially in today's world. Yeah, because, I'm disconnected all yeah. the time as well. It's not easy. Yeah. Um. I mean, like you know, we're always with our phones. Like even now, everyone has an Apple Watch. You have to. You have to still be involved in today's world you cannot be that guy that lives in a cave i don't want to be you yeah, know i, I don't want to use my guy. phone you can't you can't survive in today's world with that old mentality so how then do we find a balance of still not being a hermit but not being a slave to, to instagram technology. and and all that all that you know all the technology so it's hard it's hard. I the think only thing we can do is is yoga, to meditate, to breathe, to take some time to 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 be present. Yeah, I mean anything anything that creates a felt sense is great. Like even if you're talking to someone, a gentle touch of their palms or a gentle hug when a mm. caress when you you know say goodbye or even like saying hi to someone you don't know on the eye street. Eye contact. Yeah, eye contact, like that kind of stuff. Like that brings us a little closer. It doesn't necessarily mm. have to be a yoga practice, but anything that you are able to move from a space of like i don't know what you call that that hedonistic kind of lifestyle where you want more do more Mm. this this more everything is more and kind of strip it all away to find kind of the bare minimum and work with that because we don't actually need a lot to we, be aware we don't yeah. we just need I don't know a breath we don't need a lot to be happy we don't need a lot um, to survive yeah and now I'm curious what the other teachers say <laughs> well you gotta stay tuned and find yeah. out <laughs> okay fine okay um, if you could spend a day with anyone dead or alive who would it be my mom Aww. I will cry now yeah I've been, I thought I had a dream about her last night but uh-huh. Yeah, it was a good dream. She always appears, and when she appears, it's never the time when she's actually sick. I think maybe I, because it's such a traumatic you event, I think I blocked out. it yeah. out, so I don't really see her when she's ill, but when she's ha- happy and healthy. And that's nice as well. Yeah, so if I could spend a day with her, that would be who I'd spend it with. Mm-hmm. I think I want to speak to my mom and say, am I doing you proud? No. Or like... I think we already know that answer. No, but like my mom has so much wisdom, you know. I wish like I learned all these different, you know, I wish I paid attention when she was doing Bahokwan, which Mm. is the cupping. Uh, I do cupping now. But the thing is, I wish I... I'll show you, I'll show you. But anyway, I wish I paid more attention to her when she was talking about these things because I used to think she was a bit cuckoo. And then like now I'm doing it. Yeah, that's (laughs) I need some advice. Yeah, so I want to ask her like, you know, what what would it like be like to have a conversation with your mom about energy and Reiki? Because yeah. I'm doing Reiki now, and she did Reiki before. Wow. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could speak to her and be like, am I doing it right? Yeah. Do you feel it? Wow. Yeah. So that I think okay, okay. I would love to spend a day with my mom. Mm. Mm. That's nice. I like that answer. 
Mm, I'm sure she would like to spend a day with you too. Let's hope so. <laughs> all right. Oh, we're breezing through all these questions. What are you most afraid of? Oh, yo. Hmm. I am most afraid of people leaving me. I have, like, yeah, I know. Dun dun dun. Oh, insecurities. I I think my biggest out. insecurity comes stems from my abandonment issue. So after my mom died, and my dad kind of left me because he had to work. So I lived in Singapore alone for about eight years or so. And I think, and at that time, my brother and I were estranged. So I had all these in, supposedly intimate, close relationships that eventually just disappeared and, mm. or dissipated. And and because of that, I have this, I have this fear that if I get to know someone really well, they, they would end leave. up leaving me. And so okay. that I think is my biggest fear, and it's something that I continuously work on. I try, which is why I don't have. A big group of friends because it takes me a long time to get really to get people. to know people yeah. because I think that they will Uh-oh. run away. <laughs> yeah, people are horrible. No, they're not. I'm just. I think I need to learn how to be be okay that some people are just there for certain seasons. Mm. But because I don't allow myself to explore that, I'm just like, okay, well, keep them at arm's length, kind of thing. I I so feel I like I I mean. I can definitely relate to that on some level. I can understand how it's painful when someone you care about leaves. Mm. But I also understand that friends come and go. Um, life happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, best friends may not be best friends anymore. And it is what it is. People get married. They get busy. Life happens. They, they get their new job. They, they can't hang out with you anymore. You used to be best buds. You, you party on the weekends or whatever. And, and then now you don't and now anymore. you don't anymore. It is what but it is. I'm a little bit crazy. Mine takes a different form, you know. Like, if someone doesn't call me, I would think that they died. Like, recently Whoa. I was trying to call my nanny because it was her birthday over the weekend. And I kept compulsively calling her. And then each time I would turn to my friend, do you think she died? Do you think, like, you know, she's... How come, she why did your mind immediately go to I don't worse? know. It's crazy. It's so like, if you like, didn't reply my text. He's dead. I know. He's dead. I would always think... This one time my parents came to visit me like my stepmom and my dad they mm. came to visit and they went home at say 1am I was gonna call the police oh, sure. I was like oh my god I need to call the police I think they died somewhere maybe they're drunk in a ditch uh, somewhere uh. I don't know why I go to this whole worst case and maybe it's an Asian thing that we think worst case uh. all the time but for me because of I guess my history I always think that if someone doesn't respond to me they're dead mm. so I think my fear for abandonment is really much about death not mm. really about because you, know, you left because you you, you died. In yeah, yeah. my mom died. And so for me, everything that happens in my life, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to die. Mm. So like with my partner previously, he thought I was a psychopath because he said, he's like, you know, I sometimes I'm not with my phone. It's yeah. a normal thing when we're out with friends. But he did say, I'll be home by nine. So I'll I'd give like, you a bit more security. I know, but he yeah. said, I'll be home by nine. But at 10 o'clock, he wasn't home. I was like, oh my God, he's dead. He's dead. Oh my God. Oh. Yeah, I go a bit crazy. Mm. Yeah, I think that's something I need to work on. That people don't just okay. die randomly. I feel like it, 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 it may sound neurotic at times, but I, it comes from a good place. It's because you care, right? You care enough to like, wait a minute, this person hasn't, I haven't seen this person in a while or whatever. Maybe they're dead. Maybe they're dead. See? Yeah. So do you not think like that? I mean, that's the next step, right? If like, So you don't, you're saying you don't think like that ever? I think like that. I mean, uh, of course, I, uh, the thought will cross my mind if like, say, like, I know this person doesn't hang out till 4am or whatever, he's not home. He might be dead. But you I, see? but I feel like, um, I guess my way of dealing with it is that I trust people. So I trust that you have the capabilities to take care of yourself. I trust that <laughs> you, if in a situation of danger, you will handle yourself and you will come home. Because I trust myself. And if I'm in a bad place, I will figure it out and I will come home. You get what I mean? Yeah, I don't really trust that. <laughs> I think people will just jump off the face oh, of the no. earth and die. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. But point taken, because I yeah. really do need to. I think maybe it is... Uh, a practice of cultivating more trust maybe in in that people can take their take care of themselves and it's funny that you said care uh-huh. because when i was working through this this whole issue with my counselor she always said that because i took on the role as a caregiver mm. i guess i assumed that the other party can't take care of themselves mm. they're uh, they're kind of helpless 
So yeah, therefore, like I'm the caregiver, not mm. caretaker, but the caregiver. Oh yeah. Okay, there's a difference. Yeah, there's a, there is a difference. difference. It's very subtle. So, um, yeah. So that's that's I guess why I I guess when you said I, yeah, mm. when you said I need to trust, I think I need to trust. I don't think you need to do anything. I think you're fine no, no, where you are. I need to trust. I need to trust. I'm just, a bit crazy. I need, I need just to. Tad, just sprinkle. Just, just, just a little just bit. Like the cuckoo. Yeah. Okay. okay. But it's okay. And we all. We yeah. all have a bit of crazy inside. Yeah. Uh, last question, I guess. Cool. What's great in your life right now? Or what could be great in your life right now? What's great? What could be great? And how does that make you feel? What's great and what could be great? <sighs> I Take think, a moment to answer this. Yeah. Take a moment to think about and to reflect on what's happened or... I think... Well, I think that everything is actually really good in my life. Mm. Um, especially since coming back from Kenya. You know, I remember I was on a phone call with my dad and for the first time I called him like crying and saying like, Dad, thank you so much for the life that I lead. Mm. Like, it's amazing that... And he's like, why are you crying? What's wrong? Why are you crying? And I said, well, you know, like, I'm here in Africa. Yeah, Yeah. in Africa, people don't have food to eat. And, you know, the pads is a luxury. I have have such a great life. And, yeah, so... Hashtag grateful. I know, I'm so grateful because... I mean, look, I mean, I live in a beautiful home. I have trees outside my window. There are hornbills that come outside. I have a really nice dog. And, you have uh, friends who care about you who won't die who on you. I know who are not going to leave yeah. me. And I have a great partner who is very supportive of, of the work that I mm. do. And I have great clients that make my life so purposeful and fulfilling. I really don't have anything to complain about. Like, yeah, mm. I think life is really good. I mean, of course, it isn't. It isn't always easy. I won't say it's that not it's not good. To be easy. Yeah, it's not supposed to be easy. I wouldn't say it's easy, but it does. It doesn't mean it's bad. Mm. It's still pretty great. Mm. And what could make it better, or what could make it more more than great? I don't know. I think. I wish that in those times when things are not easy, that I would have a stronger perspective, or even the perception, to. Or the, the, how do you call it? The, when, you, when you have more foresight. Mm. When you have more foresight. I wish I had more foresight to kind of tell myself at the time that this things is gonna be just... All right. Yeah, things are going to be all You're right. going to be okay. And this doesn't mean that life is not great. Mm. It's just that things are not so easy now, but it doesn't mean it's bad. Mm. But in that moment, I can imagine that it... I, can, I know that in those times, I find it very difficult to come out of that mindset. And that's why sitting here reflecting on it now is because I'm not in it that's why it's like oh okay life is really great but I wish I could always cultivate or be able to harness that foresight when I'm in those situations it's not always successful for me so I think yeah if I had that that would make life even greater yeah (laughs) (laughs) no true true I hope yeah Mm. it's my hope it's a good answer okay sir thank Mm -hmm. you very much (laughs) about you hmm. if every if every time i ask that question and every time someone asks me that question back then i'm going to be replying that question all the time okay but what about if you were to think about three things that make your life great right now what would it be hmm. off the top of your head i'm thankful for the experiences that i've had in my life mm-hmm. whether they be good or bad because even if it was bad I've managed to overcome them and because of those experiences it has made me a better person and it's made me who I am today. So whatever has happened has happened for I wouldn't say good reason but it happened because it had to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful for my body. I'm healthy. All my limbs work. I can see. I can hear. Um, nothing's broken. Nothing's uh, aching. Uh, movement is very important. I can... I can just being able to move, mm. no, you know, uh, sprain something one day and you will realize how important or how grateful you feel to just be able to walk or to scratch your back if something's sore, you know. Mm. So I'm thankful for my body, thankful for my experiences, and I'm thankful for the people around me because the people around me have supported me, have um, encouraged me, have helped me, 
in any aspect, in every aspect. Mm. And the people who haven't have given me the strength to be a better person, uh, whether is it to, again, overcome my own doubts or insecurities or to challenge me to, to be more calm in certain situations and to uh, handle situations. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for asking me. Mm. This has been fun. Yes. Thanks for having me. Mm. It wasn't as nerve-wracking as I thought, even though I've been scratching my foot for the <laughs> last God knows how long. But yeah. Is that a nervous tick? Uh, yeah, I just guess, mm. yeah. Something okay. that I need to do. Um, how can people reach you? Well, you can find me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Not through my name, but Dirty <laughs> Hippie Yogi. Don't ask me how I came up with that name, okay. but it just happened to stick. So yeah, Dirty Hippie Yogi. Uh, and my website will be urbanyogissg.com. Okay, I'll put all the links in the thing below. I'm sure there's a thing to click on. I'm or sure there's a thing. That's how, that's how these things work. <laughs> that's how it works, right? Yeah. I'll put a some, somewhere. It'll be there. Somewhere, somewhere. But thank uh, you so much. Okay. Thank you for inviting me in this place. That's it. Arigatou gozaimasu. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. 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 Okay. And the end. Ah, ah. Ho ho ho, and that's the end. Thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, comment, rate if you haven't already. That would really help boost up the podcast, so I really appreciate it if you did that. Uh, if you want to find out more about Sever Seeds and what they do, uh, if you want to help donate and all that, I'll put the links in the episode description. So just go ahead and check it out. And as always, if you have any questions or feedback, thoughts or opinions, uh, let me know. Hit me up. Also, if anybody knows of any sponsors or brands who feel like they might want to get involved with me, let me know as well. It would be nice to get a little sum sum. I got bills to pay. I'm just a humble yoga teacher living a modest life. It'd be good to have a sidekick. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna put that out there. Let the universe manifest it. See what it brings. Uh, that's about it. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Be nice to people and uh, do good things in whatever. Okay, bye. <laughs>